0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the WICB Ithaca Bomber Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Smith, joined by my excellent analysts, Nicole Allen and Tommy Morrow. And today we have a special guest, play-by-play broadcaster, Kyle DeSantis for our radio crew. Kyle, how's it going
1: today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Football game yesterday was also pretty good. and glad to be talking with you guys.
0: Well, we're very glad to have you. The Bombers win their third straight game to improve to 3-1 and one on the season. Guys, this bomber team looks better and better every week. It it just really does. And, you know, let's let's just let's just open this game out and start with kind of some of the the superstars who we've been talking, you know, about on this on this podcast the last few weeks. And let's start with we'll start with uh Sam Klein. You know, Sam Klein, wide receiver one for this Ithaca bombers team. When we first came in, he was a guy that, you know, we didn't really expect to kind of develop into this role, we kind of expected Julian Dumaga to take that Mikey Anderson role from last year, but it's been Sam Klein, and it, you know, Sam Klein's just added, you know, more and more every week to, you know, why he is the wide receiver one, six catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Can we, let's just let's just talk a little bit about how good he's been for this
2: team. Who who wants to start us off? Uh, yeah, I'll start us off. Um, you know, Connor, we got the chance to interview him last week, and um, you know, he he pretty much said he's taken a whole different approach. Um, this year than he did last year he understands his role um, you know it's it's more it's more it's, it's a little more pressure on him but he's understanding the role he's building chemistry with AJ Wingfield which is huge and you know going down the stretch him in that uh, him and Wingfield that connection is gonna be crucial
3: yeah it was like his performance yesterday was so good me and Tommy were on the sideline and every catch that was like a clutch catch it was always Sam Klein Parker would be on the sideline he'd be like who was that and he was like of course it was Sam Klein yeah I think he's really shown as wide receiver one he I mean he t- he had 73 total receiving yards yesterday it was really one touchdown yeah it was really just his game
0: just absolute dominance. And Kyle, you've had the, you know, the pleasure to watch him off for these games so far. What's it kind of been like, you know, being able to watch this man cook? You know, some would say watch him cook,
1: of course. I mean, for for Klein, he was someone who at least last year, a lot of the the people, especially me on the on the crew, expected him to play a bigger role. He didn't really kind of live up. I wouldn't say to the hype, but especially in the preseason workouts, he was he was a name that really came up, especially c- connecting and working with A.J. Wingfield. And it's honestly no shock that he's stepped more into a bigger role. I understand Dumaga might have been the the first name that came to a lot of people's minds after Mikey Anderson was not, especially, on the team after graduating. But at least with talking with Coach Terper, he's turning into a more of a, a blocking role, especially a receiver. Terper actually calls him the best blocker, specifically, in that wide receiving room. So, at least for the entire the outlook, I should say, for Klein and Dumaga and even Nick Mato's getting in there as well. It's working for this Bombers team.
0: Yeah, it definitely is working, and, you know, whatever gets you wins at the end of the day is what you want, and, you know, Sam Klein has been a huge part uh, getting this Bomber team some wins, but another guy who's been, you know, really really stepping up as of late is Jalen Leonard Osborne. I mean, he's a guy that I feel like we talk about every week here on, on this podcast, and it's rightly so. I mean, you know, he's He's what we've labeled him before as a Joker. You know, he goes out there. He can play receiver. He can play running back. You know, he's he's always out there. It seems like, and he's always just you know he's there and he does he makes big plays just like last game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's such a versatile player. You know, he could play receiver um, one game and then then you, he's your starting running back the next. And we've seen it. You know, we saw it yes uh, yesterday when he ran the ball for 155 yards, you know. um, But that big run definitely solidified the win for Ithaca, the 79-yard touchdown. And, uh, yeah, it it was tied for eighth in in program history, the longest rushing touchdown. So he's really proven to be a key factor on that offense.
3: Yeah, I'm going to agree. He really stepped up yesterday. And I feel like we talk about this a lot with, like, people – every week we talk about people that need to step up in games. And I think J-Lo definitely – did step up. I mean, like Tommy said, he had that uh, 79-yard touchdown that really solidified the win for Ithaca. At that point, we were all like, okay, like Ithaca needs to do something here, and J-Lo was able to get that touchdown. So yeah, I think he really stepped up and was able to show that he really can be a versatile player. And it's really
1: been interesting, at least looking at Leonard Osborne, his season really got the start where it was a mix of both rushing and receiving opportunities, where as now, especially in the last two weeks, Alfred and Hobart, he's gotten more than 20 rushes each, and in both of those times, he's been able to go over 70 yards. Obviously, the career day yesterday at the time of the recording for 155 had that long score, 79 yards, but he's also able to continue to get those receiving reps again. He's gotten six catches, specifically, rather specifically in the last two weeks, he's able to continue to work in that flex spot and he's really again found that groove and found his role on this Bombers team.
0: Yeah it would be great to own Jane Leonard Osborne in fantasy. I mean the the <laughs> numbers this guy is putting up is, is you know great. I mean you see that increased role and you know that's obviously due to the loss of Jake Williams you know in that Ithaca backfield but Leonard Osborne has really kind of stepped up and been huge for this team and you know you just look at I mean, I'm just looking at this guy's stats. I mean, 155 rushing yards and 26 receiving yards. If I'm doing math correctly in my head, I think that's 181 all-purpose yards. Last week against Alfred, 77 yards on the ground, 67 yards in the air, or, sorry, through the receiving game. That right there is, I think, 144 if I'm doing my math correctly, um, which I just got the thumbs up from Kyle. So Smitty's I, I, a
3: mathematician so, here. you here. Know,
0: nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll flex on my math skills, you know. Um, but you know he's just you know he's he's balling out he's balling out and that's really all that we can say I mean he's doing his job he's one of, he's definitely been one of the the best playmakers on the team and I love that you know the J Lo nickname Nicole I mean <laughs> just just coming out with J Lo I mean this is the new J Lo I mean we we for that this is our football
2: J-Lo. team for sure
3: yeah like a couple weeks ago all the like the guys on the football team would be like yeah like J Lo and I'd be like why are they talking about Jennifer Lopez right now <laughs> but then I was like wait Jalen Leonard Osborne now like. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, It makes sense. Of course,
0: it makes sense. Um, You know, moving from the offensive side of the ball, we'll talk about A.J. Wingfield in a little bit, but I kind of want to move to the defensive side of the ball and highlight another, you know, huge playmaker this game. Not just this game, actually, this entire season, and that's Ben Stola. I mean, Ben Stola, we talked about him. You know, this is another guy that we've talked about on this podcast, it seems like, every week, but it's for a right reason. I mean, 17 tackles for this guy, three-and-a-half tackles for loss. Uh, fumble recovery and a sack for Ben Solo this game. I mean, he's just really filling, you know, that loss, Matt Desimplis' role in this Ithaca defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, you said it's 17 tackles against Hobart. That's that's impressive, you know, 43 tackles already in the season. Um, dude's been all over the field, you know, sideline to sideline. Um, he's hitting holes. He's, you know, making making turnovers happen. He's got a couple picks on the season, a couple fumble recovery, So, you know, he's their key
1: playmaker on defense to step up and make a play. And for for Stola, his entire, I would say his progression, it's interesting. That was one thing when getting to talk with Coach Turper each week where Stola entered the program as a DB, especially last year moved towards linebacker, was able to, to pack on some muscle, moved up from 190 to 215. And the linebacking room was so full again with guys like Matt Simplicis and Millie Haynes where he didn't get that many reps, but now in the absence again of those same guys, he's able to really come through. And again, like Leonard Osborne had a career day, both the tackles and the tackle for loss, there's career highs. Yeah, it is pretty crazy to think, Kyle, that, you
2: know, Stola came into the program as a defensive back, and here he is, you know, a year later, he's your star
1: linebacker. And I feel like there there are other guys where they might not be as big, but, I mean, look at a guy like Ben Marinaccio, where he came in as a running back, and now he's working as a receiver. He's getting a few catches each game. He's not maybe a number one target, but he's still able to work that. He's get rather, production to the team. Yeah, get production, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's something that, you know, we've seen out of Ben Sully, You know, he's just the guy that's going to go out there, and, you know, he's going to be that leader on that defense, and that's such a huge piece for this Ithaca team, and it's one of the reasons why they've been so good defensively this year. I mean, other than the game against Johns Hopkins now, you know, Endicott in that game, it was a tough, gritty game, ended up with an Ithaca win. You go to Hobart, you shut them out, 22 nothing. tough, gritty defensive win. This game – or, sorry, against Alfred, Alfred yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. And then this game against Hobart – you know, it's, it's not nearly, you know, it's, it's a close game pretty much the entire time. But, you know, Ithaca ends up pulling away. You know, they've, they led by two scores um, multiple times that game. But it was the defense that kind of makes the plays, which sets the offense up. I mean, we look at the Endicott game, right? Second play of the game, Ben stole interception, sets up Ithaca with the touchdown early. That led them to the win eventually at the end of the game. Against yeah. Alfred, the defense plays stout the entire game. It gives Ithaca the chance to go out. They didn't need their best from their offense that day because their defense was playing so good. Then you have the game against Hobart. You know, you have um the the force fumble from Connolly, which led to Ithaca. Obviously they ended up throwing a pick the very next play. But, you know, it's the it's the defense and the special teams. You know, those they really set the tone for this Ithaca team and it's really what's helped them kind of, you know, Uh, have such a good start to the season
2: yeah it almost seems like they're just capitalizing and taking advantage of you know the opposing team's mistakes in a way you know interceptions um I know Ithaca had a blocked field goal yesterday which is huge at one point they 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 went down the field and I think got a field goal on it to make it a 17-7 game but you know just they're capitalizing and you know taking advantage of those mistakes
3: yeah and I think um, the defense being so well really allows the offense to like take their time to figure out what they need to do. Um, we've talked about this a lot in the past couple weeks about how it's really been the, def- the Ithaca defense that's been stepping up and the offense has just been trying to take its time, figure out what it needs to do. And I think with guys like Ben and making 17 tackles, like you said, it really does set up the offense to be able to execute their plays well.
2: Drive down the field and get points. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and you know, we've talked about it multiple times. Like you said, Nicole, this offense kind of needing to find their identity. You know, the the first couple of games of the season, they really didn't look that comfortable. This week, I would say, looked the most comfortable, even though the stats for Wingfield don't show it. It looked like A.J. Wingfield is the most comfortable he had been this season.
1: And I feel like for, for Wingfield, this has really been the, the last three games. Again, obviously Johns Hopkins was what it was. That was a top 25 matchup, and again for a Bombers team that has to play up to that par specifically early on in the season that they haven't really had to do in program history that's something that they were able to take away from and then can go into Endicott go to Alfred and now here at Hobart if you look at the last three games again the stats haven't jumped off the page for Wingfield he's been able to complete around 60 percent of his passes he's still been able to continue to return to that form. It might not be exactly what he was last year. There were a few times during the game where he was looking towards Julian Dumaga. That was a target, and the throw was just offline, and that was something that I really took away from that game, but especially as the weeks go on, I feel like Wingfield is going to find that drive again, and I don't want to continue to say return to 2022 because that was what that year was. This is 2023, Mm -hmm. and Wingfield has to continue playing how he plays, and he's been doing that all season long and just really find that next step and continue to work.
0: Yeah. This week was his first interception of the season. You know, something he is, something he has been doing very well is taking care of that football, you know, in week one against Johns Hopkins, like we mentioned, you know, the completion percentage, that was the big thing. He was out there, you know, gunslinging. they were losing the game. Uh, You know, it wasn't very, it wasn't smart football. It wasn't smart football. It was trying to get back in the game this week. You know, Ithaca's leading majority of the game, you know, other than their when they went down seven nothing, they never, you know, lost that lead after that. Uh, it's more of like he's more of he's turned more into a game manager this year, and that's kind of what has helped out this Ithaca team. You know, they've they've been able to manage the games, manage the clock, you know, run the ball fi- effectively, you know, get the passing uh, first downs when you need the passing first downs. Uh, it's something that Hobart was doing yesterday with Columbia, but um, you know, it's just. It's something that AJ Wingfield has been able to step up into this role, and and kind of you know, it's a different role. It's a different role from last year, but he's been able yeah. to step up and and he's been adapting good.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like they they have been able to execute a little more without AJ passing as much. You know, running the ball that's Coach Derper's uh, game plan and his scheme. You know, just running, running, uh, and playing. You know, very good defense. He's a he was a prior defensive coordinator, so he has that experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like AJ last year threw a lot more. We used to see him throw for two, three hundred yards at some points, and I don't think he surpassed the game where he threw for over two hundred fifty yards this game uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I feel like the, obviously the game plan of the offense has changed a little bit, but I feel like they're still on those tracks. You know,
0: yeah, and and uh, I think this is a good time. You know, we've we've kind of debriefed this game a lot. Let's talk about. I feel like the the biggest storyline of them all, and that's Ithaca's first home game at the new Bertino Field at Butterfield Stadium. Kyle and Nicole and Tommy, you guys were all there, okay? Uh, you know, luckily for you guys, you were all there. Uh, can, can you guys just describe what the atmosphere was like?
3: Yeah. Uh, to put it bluntly, the atmosphere was electric. Um, it was my first time ever being at, like, a on the sideline for a college football game. I know it's D3 it's not like we were at like yeah, but Alabama it's, it's but like so, still it's like so cool. yeah. it was it was field opener like everyone was rowdy there was a whole line of um alumni on like the bottom like row of the bleachers and they were all like yelling at the team and <laughs> stuff yeah. it was like it was just such like a good crowd to be at like to be at the home opener
2: yeah it was it was a really hype game um you know the the first game in the Liberty League, so there's a lot of st- a lot at stake for them for Ithaca. Mm-hmm. Um, first game, obviously at the new turf. The new turf was awesome. You know, they really really did a nice job on that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a really good game. Um, packed crowd, so I really enjoyed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor, I do I do want to say we all had you in your thought in our thoughts oh, rather yes. while we were <laughs> while we were at the field. But for me, funnily enough, it was also my first time actually being there for a game. The last two seasons, I've been covering the team, but. And remotely from the Park School studios, mm-hmm. everywhere around in between, so just being there, again the atmosphere was phenomenal. When the bombers came out, I actually had a moment where I was like, "Wow, <laughs> I, this is it. This is what like we're here. This is we're here." Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I even saw people tailgating, and I was, you know, I was, I was honestly surprised. You know, I know there are some, you know, uh, hardcore Ithaca fans out there, but I wasn't expecting tailgating. I really wasn't.
3: Yeah. When me and Tommy drove up, there was, um. There was like a whole RV in the parking lot, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah. Wh- right wh- what a- what is happening?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Smitty Hall, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, but I mean, the game. I mean, you could just hear it through you know through the headsets of you know Kyle and Cam as they're broadcasting the game. You know, when Parker would take it down on the sideline, like you could just hear the crowd. And you know, there was it was a lot of people. How how much people did they, did it say there was? The website said 2,100. 2,100. I mean. I don't. I mean, I honestly don't know how what the numbers were like last year, but I mean, first home game of the season against a Liberty League opponent uh, like Hobart. You know, they're a good team. Uh, it's it's not. It's honestly not surprising to me. You know, I figured this was going to be a pretty big turnout, and and it really was. So, yeah. you know, with that being said, guys, I think that um, I think we should kind of segment towards talking about the uh, their Ithaca's next matchup, and it could be one of the toughest matchups of the year. Um, you know in terms of liberty league opponents in terms of opponents in general and that's rpi and they play an rpi team that is coming off of a bye week kind of just like how ithaca had a bye week against uh hobart and now this you know ithaca team goes against rpi they're undefeated as well they just came off of a game last week against wpi and they're in the battle of the engineers of course and now they go to rpi to play them um anyone anyone want to start us off what are we thinking?
1: Well, for, for me, considering I, I've already kind of started to look into the team and, and see what they're doing, I feel like for the, the last two seasons, especially just being able to cover the games, and RPI is always a matchup that's circled on the calendar each year. For the Bombers, last year was the, the first time that they beat RPI, at least in my lifetime. They hadn't <laughs> beaten them since oh, – they had I think, beaten them since 3 But overall, at least with RPI, it seems like the the motto is more the the defense, and their defense is always among the top in the Liberty League. But especially looking at how they've done so far this season, the defense is there. The most points they've given up in a game was all the way back in Week 1, 27. Since then, they haven't given up more than two touchdowns. The offense has really evolved. And you'll see from their quarterback in Jake Kazanowski – He's someone who will pass the ball a lot, already has 800 yards passing on the season. So he'll air, he'll air it out. And he has a giant group of receivers to work with, mix of, again, kind of like Ithaca. You do have some older guys, some 50 years as well, with some sophomores working their way in. And then the defense, it's been as stout as ever. So that that's one thing. Hopefully I'll, I'll get to do this sometime in the week if we get the chance to talk to their coach and Ralph Isernia, but... I feel like, at least with looking at RPI on paper, they're not just that defensive powerhouse anymore. They've been able to balance things out and really become a well rounded program.
0: Yeah, like you said, Kyle, I mean, whenever we think of RPI, you know, I know we are only, you know, sophomores and everything, but when we think of RPI, we think of defense and we think of just how good that defense is. But this team has also been able to, you know, kind of like you said, you know, retool their offense as well and kind of turn around. I mean, they just beat Dean College, and granted, you know, Dean is not the best program, of course, but they just beat Dean College, uh, you know, not last week but the week before, 63 uh, nothing. I mean, uh, it's it's an impressive, you know, to shut a team out, you know, no matter who it is. But when you're also scoring 63 points on offense, I mean, that's got to be impressive.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was I was going to agree with Kyle there that Kazanowski, he's going to be a key playmaker for that RPI offense. You know, Ithaca's defense, it's going to be a real test to them to – Try to limit um, the amount of points in that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I touched on it, uh, I think, last week, Connor, that Ithaca and RPI, it's when they play each other, it's always a low-scoring, defensive battle, gritty type of game. So um, I could easily see this, you know, seeing this like 2017, something mm-hmm. like that, um, a low-scoring game. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it, and this is a big game, not only for Kazanowski, but also for A.J. Wingfield.
3: Yeah, just to touch on the defense a little more, like just looking at their schedule, they've shut out the past two teams that they've played. They beat Dean 63-0, to and then they beat uh, WPI... Twenty-five to zero. Yeah, they
2: haven't allowed a point in three
3: weeks. Exactly.
0: Yeah, or, or, I mean, when you when you brought up WPI, I was almost tempted to ask Tommy to, to say it again cause last <laughs> Worcester. Worcester, that's what he said last time. I got it this time. Worcester, Worcester. Just, it's uh, Worcester. 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 Worcester, Worcester. Um, but yeah, live and I mean, learn, live and learn. <laughs> last, you know, last year Ithaca, you know, barely squeaked out a win, thirteen to ten. Uh, you know, it was a it was a very close game last year. Looking for kind of another, you know, similarly close game. Uh, this week, of course, but you know, you never know what happens. And it's a new year, obviously. Uh, you know, kind of like Kyle mentioned earlier, it's a new year. You got to forget you know what happened last year. You got to focus on the team that you have right now. and and this Ithaca team is now going to Troy, New York to play RPI compared to last year when they, you know played them at home. This is gonna be a tough game. I think what, what we say out of the remaining schedule out of the remaining games on the schedule, where would you guys rank this game as, like, kind of, like, in terms of, like, the most challenging slash possible Ithaca loss?
1: I'm going to to bring up an interesting point, and this was actually from Hobart coach and Kevin DeWall when we were talking with him earlier this week. It was obviously looking at the upcoming game then, which was Ithaca and Hobart, but he, he made it clear that this, as of now, is the biggest game for both of these teams but there are going to be much harder ones each week so now it's rpi it's at a place in troy obviously where i think the engineers dating back to the last few seasons have only lost you you can count the amount of times that they've lost at home on one hand (laughs) so in terms of environments that you need to excel in especially if you're coming in to that environment Mm -hmm. that's what the bombers have to do
0: yeah and it's going to be a real challenge um you know i would say this is you know a really tough stretch of the schedule i mean you know they've they just they just took care of hobart on saturday or yesterday technically uh, at the time of recording uh, which is sunday as of right now but they just beat hobart Last game, and now they have RPI this week coming up in our at at Troy, New York, in against RPI, and then they host Union College, which you know is a great team in its own. Um, but it's kind of like the opposite of what last year's schedule was. I feel like a lot of the tougher games were towards the end of the uh, season. So, getting this out of the way, you think there's any sort of kind of relief after you get through this little stretch here?
2: I would say there is. Um, you just got to take care of business now, and then you know the big the big uh, test. You already got the two games of John Hopkins and Endicott at the beginning of the season, and then it's going to be Cortland at the end of the season, that Cortica game. But, uh, yeah, these Liberty League games are crucial for Liberty League standing, so you got to take care of business in the Liberty League for sure.
3: Yeah, I'm going to agree with Tommy. I definitely think it's good to get these out – not out of the way, but really just focus on these games and just take care of business now because, like, after – Union, we have University of Rochester, Buff State, and then Saint Lawrence. Like, they're going to be tough games for Ithaca, but they're not going to be anywhere close to RPI or Union. So I definitely think finishing these now will give Ithaca momentum in the final stretch of the season.
0: Yeah, and just uh, just real quick, I I know that um you know we are you know in Liberty League play now. You know, first week of these Liberty League games, Ithaca obviously took down Hobart. We also have Union taking down Saint Lawrence, thirty four nothing. That offensive. You know, powerhouse in Union is, uh, you know, obviously a little scary, and then Rochester taking down Buff State, 29-22. Um, so you know, right now as we're as we're recording this, I believe Ithaca is in third place technically with the overall record. You know, tiebreaker being, uh, you know, what is used, of course. But yeah. Union is five and zero. Oh. Uh, then Rochester sits in second right now at four and one. Uh, Ithaca in third at three and one. RPI in fourth. They still have yet to play a league game, uh, but they're four and zero overall. Hobart fifth at three and one. Saint Lawrence sixth two and three, and then Buff State in last at one and three.
1: And, and for for Union specifically, and this is actually a, it's a tidbit from an IC alum and Andrew Santillo who actually calls Union football games. But if you look at the start that they're having, especially under the new head coach and John Poppy. He ties Fred Dawson with yesterday's win, as of the time of recording, as the only new head coach in Union history. Now the Garnet Chargers, I might add, it's not the (laughs) Dutchman, where they're undefeated in a coach's first five games. In terms of historic starts that the Union Garnet Chargers are on right now, I I honestly... It's program history. It's in program history, yes. It's impressive. It's it's impressive and for me it's kind of this weird spot because again also in two weeks they will come to the South Hill. That will be a big game. Yeah. But it's very reminiscent at least for me of what Ithaca had last season in terms of how it's gone so far because they went on a similar path. Again Coach Poppy was not with Union before but it was a defensive coach at an FCS school. Poppy was previously at harvard mm-hmm. comes on into a team that again has been on that brink the last few years but they haven't been able to break through when they at least They just needed that one piece they just needed it yeah and yeah. right now again at the time of recording it just feels like it's that same path and even since the hiring as soon as i saw kind of the similar the similar spots where both the coaches were at i had that feeling in my stomach and that's where it's been so far
0: Yeah, and their first five games have, (coughs) excuse me, they've they've almost uh, replicated how Ithaca's start to the season was last year. I mean, just looking at these results, uh, the first games, first game against Hilbert, sixty-five nothing. Next game against Worcester State, sixty-three nothing. Springfield, thirty-four to seven. Montclair State, forty-three to seven. And then just now against Saint Lawrence, Saint Lawrence, thirty-four nothing. I mean, I can't do all this math, but their point differential has to be, like, like, 200 to 14. Like, it's just it's just been insane. I think we got Kyle crunching the numbers over
1: there. Kyle, <laughs> what do we got? I wasn't crunching numbers, but this was something that I, I was looking at at least entering this week. The NCAA stats haven't fully updated, but Union had the, the top defense in the country. They were averaging under four points a game from opponents. Wow. And they took down a Springfield team that Ithaca had to scare with last year in the second round quite mm-hmm. easily, considering yeah. the triple-option offense they run.
0: Yeah, and and they're they're a good team, and and to win 34 to seven, you know, third week into the season uh, is it's pretty impressive. I just crunched the numbers, of course. It's 239 points of offense through five weeks. Um, I don't have the Ithaca stats up with me, but next time somebody talks, I will pull it up. And I'll see it, but um, you know, two thirty nine,
1: and only fourteen points allowed through five games. I mean, that's just crazy. That's wild. Yeah. For reference, for the bombers, it's eighty three points, fifty eight points allowed.
0: And that's just in, or that's in the four games so far. I mean, we yeah. see the huge step back in the offense, kind of like what we talked about uh, earlier in this podcast. But the defense has really been what's been winning Ithaca the games. And then you compare Ithaca's defense. Granted, they have faced, I would say some more, uh, you know, highly ranked opponents, but still, yeah, higher competition, but still in general, like it's impressive that, you know, no matter who you're playing, right. Any, any given Saturday, you know, it's like any given Sunday, like NFL thing, any given Saturday, any team can win. And, you know, it's, it just speaks a lot that, you know, we see this, uh, you know, union team, even though, you know, it's two weeks from now, we're already talking about it because, you know, that's just how good they've been. And, you know, RPI is the focus this week, but, you know, Union's the next week. And, you know, then you have, you know, the Cortica game at the end of the year. You know, those are still three tough games. And if Ithaca wants to win this Liberty League to, you know, secure that automatic bid, they're going to need to win these games, okay, because they've already dropped a game to Johns Hopkins at the beginning of the year. Granted, it was a ranked matchup, and Ithaca still is ranked now. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the Division One college football playoffs. If you lose one, two games— or if you lose, you know, two games most of the time you're not making that final four. If you, you know, you lose more than that, you're not even going to make the conference, you know, the conference final play. It's, yeah. it's such an important stretch that I feel like, you know, even though we are, you know, spending a lot of time talking about it, it's, you know, it's for a specific reason. Yeah. Well, that will do it for the fifth episode of the WICB Ithaca Bomber Football Podcast. The Bombers head into possibly their toughest matchup next weekend against RPI so far this season. For Nicole Allen, Tommy Moore, and Kyle DeSantis, our special guests, of course. I'm your host, Connor Smith. Thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week.